Well, here we are. This is the 15th message in our series, Life Coach. And so we've been learning. We have a, a mentor. The Apostle Paul is the mentor. And, and 2 Timothy, if you have your Bibles, turn there. It's the last book that Paul wrote that's in the New Testament. It contains his final words. And he's writing this whole book, mentoring Timothy, a young pastor. But everything in the book is applicable to us. And there are 15 life coach lessons. And this morning we come to the last one, number 15. And we summarize it by saying this, always be ready to go. Can you repeat that after me? Always be ready to go. So let me kind of ask you a question about what I'm trying to get at by this, and then we'll see how it's illustrated with Paul's life. If you knew you were going to die shortly, okay, what would you say? What would you do? You have loved ones, you have friends, coworkers, and if you knew that shortly you would go to be with the Lord, what would you say? You know, my son Josh right here was telling me this last Thursday, he's up in Oregon, and he's with his team, there's seven on his team, and they're on uh, a river rafting trip, one of these bonding experiences, you know, that you have, and uh, they're on the the Deschutes River, and uh, they come to this class four rapid the most dangerous place on the river, and, uh, you know, long story short, it's a 15-foot drop, and they have a professional guide with them, and literally get sucked into the vortex of this. The whole raft turns over, flips, throws them all out, and this guide that's been working there 30 years says it's 20 feet straight down. These, the whole team gets sucked 20 feet down, and Josh, you know, he's a Marine, He's like, Dad, we all thought we were going to die. If it wasn't for those life preservers, you know, that pop you up, and they literally are on their own a half a mile floating down the river without a raft. And they all survived. But, you know, wow, what a moment in your life. All of us are going to face that moment. It may not be something like a rafting accident, But you, for the most part, will know, most of us, statistically, will have a sense of when you're going to pass on to be with the Lord. What would you say if you knew you had a week? What would you communicate? What would you write? You see, this is the context of what we're going to be studying this morning. One day, that day is going to come. And the Apostle Paul knew that day was at hand. I want to give you a principle. It's on your outlines. You want to live each day as if it were your last day, because one day it will be. Now, did you read it? Follow me along in your outlines again. You want to live each day, right now, as if it were your last day, because guess what? One day will be your last day, and you don't know when that last day may come. So you want to always live in light of that. And Paul was living his life in light of the fact that he could be executed at any moment. He was in a Roman prison cell, and he knew at any moment he could be executed. As a matter of fact, in chapter 4, verse 6, we studied this last Sunday. Paul said, For I am already being poured out 
like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I mean, Paul senses this. And we know in history, in 67 AD, Paul was beheaded by an emperor named Nero. But this is just before that event takes place. So our passage that we're going to study this morning literally contains the last words that the Apostle Paul ever penned in light of the fact that he knew he would soon be with the Lord. And he writes these words, and they're very tender, to his best friend in the whole world, who is Timothy. Now, let me give you a negative statement. It's on your outlines. And here's the negative statement. You don't want to leave this earth leaving things unsaid that should be said. Just think about that. The positive statement, another way to state the same thing, is you are ready to leave this earth when everything that should be said has been said. And you want to live your life. You want to order your life. We're going to learn from the Apostle Paul this morning so that if you were to go a week from today, guess what? You'd have no regrets because you've said everything you should say and you're ready to go at any time. And and that's what we learn from Paul in this life lesson, this mentoring advice. So what are we going to do this morning? We're going to, we're going to study these verses, in verses 9 through 22, and we're going to see five things that we should communicate from Paul's example so we're always ready to go. Now watch this. As we go along, I want you to kind of put your life to the test. If you have communicated these things already, guess what? You are ready to go home to be with the Lord. If as we go along you're going, whoa, I haven't communicated that, Well, you have some work to do in your life. And this, it doesn't matter your age. You could be a teenager here. But you could be taken up to be with the Lord. We don't know how much time we have. So these five things, it doesn't matter how old or how young you are, you should always be communicating as if this is your last day because it could be. All right, here we go. Take them one at a time. First thing, we should communicate always to be ready to go. Communicate personal requests. You you and I should always be communicating our requests to others. Now listen to the personal requests Paul communicates to Timothy. Start in verse 9. He says, do your best to come to me quickly. He's saying, Timothy, Paul's in jail. He's 1,300 miles away. Timothy's in Ephesus. Paul's in Rome. And he says, Timothy... Do your best. You're my best friend. I want you to be with me at this time. And then he says, he kind of gives the circumstances a little bit, talks about some people that, you know, he's aware of there in Rome. He says, Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. This guy named Demas, we don't know a whole lot about him, but the word deserted is a very strong word. It means to utterly abandon. And he was part of the group in verse 16. It says, at my first defense, no one came to my my support, but everyone deserted me. Demas was part of that group that deserted Paul while he was in prison. And then verse 10, Cretans has gone to Galatia. Cretans was one of uh, Paul's trusted servants, and he went to Thessalonica on assignment, presumably, or actually had gone, yeah, Uh, He had actually gone to Galatia. And then it says there in verse 10, and Titus went to Dalmatia. Titus 
was the Apostle Paul's closest friend next to Timothy. And he went to Dalmatia, which is located in northern Macedonia on the coast. And then Paul, he, he, he talks about Luke. He says, only Luke is with me. Yes, the Luke that authored the book of Acts and the gospel Luke, he was Paul's dear traveling companion since Paul's second missionary journey uh, forward. And, and this shows the heroism of Luke as well as the loneliness of Paul. He says, only Luke is with me. I mean, everyone deserted him. Luke was with him. Luke probably was the actual person that wrote the book of 2 Timothy. Paul dictated it. Luke would have written that book down, which we're studying today. And Luke also would have served as Paul's personal physician while Paul was in uh, prison in Rome. And then, then, then Paul says, get Mark, Timothy, and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Now, Mark had a checkered past, okay? And that's true with me as well. But we're talking about Mark in the New Testament, okay? And Mark had traveled with Paul on his first missionary journey, but he left early. He kind of checked out. And we're not sure exactly what happened. Some people think he got sick, he got afraid, he just left. And Paul refused to take Mark on his second missionary journey because Mark kind of gave up. But then Mark matured and was with Paul during his first Roman imprisonment. You read about that in Colossians 4.10. And now Paul pays Mark the highest compliment. He says, Timothy, bring Mark with you from Ephesus because he is useful to me. And then he talks about a guy named Tychicus. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. Now, he was one of Paul's most trusted associates, associates, Tychicus. You can read about him in Acts 20, verse 4, and Colossians 4, 7. And he served, anyone here work for FedEx or, or anything like that, any delivery system? Okay, this guy here, Tychicus, he was the FedEx guy. He was the guy who actually delivered the letter of 2 Timothy from Rome all the way to Timothy in Ephesus. And a faithful servant. And he would also serve as Timothy's replacement there in Ephesus. He would relieve Timothy so Timothy could leave from Ephesus and come back to Rome to be with Paul. And then you see in verse 13, Paul says this. He says, when you come, Timothy, uh, bring the cloak that I... This is... See, he's expressing some requests. He says, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. So Paul requests these, first, these few personal items. Uh, from Phrygia, which uh, the, Troas was actually a seaport of Phrygia in Asia Minor. And he had evidently left these things, these items, these scrolls and this cloak, there for safekeeping with a trusted friend named Carpus. Now, most scholars... Be, believe this. Because uh, Paul didn't have these items with him in Rome, this cloak and, and these scrolls, many scholars believe Paul was arrested in Phrygia. The Bible doesn't tell us, but we presume this. He was arrested in Phrygia and taken to Rome. And in the, the hasty leave, he had to leave his cloak and he left these parchments uh, there um, on that coastal area. And now he's requesting them as he's in prison in Rome. And the cloak, the Greek word is philonen, 
and it refers to a very large cape with long sleeves made of extremely heavy material. Typically, they're made of wool, and they were built for winter to keep one warm because winter was coming, and Paul is requesting this. And then he says, can you bring the scrolls? And the Greek word is biblia, from which we get the word Bible. And scrolls were Old Testament writings written on papyrus, okay? Parchments were more expensive Old Testament scrolls. Those were written on leather. And so it's amazing to me. You think about Paul, even as death is approaching, he is requesting the word of God, that he could study and hear God's word. And Paul is communicating here, as we see, his personal requests. So here's a principle. You're ready to go when you have voiced all your personal requests to those whom you love. Have you done that? And for every person, this is going to look a little bit different because we all have different relationships, different circumstances, different backgrounds, issues, families, friendships. So let me ask you a few questions. Is there a Timothy in your life that you want to see? Request it. Have no regrets. Is there a, 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 a family, a member, someone dear to you? Timothy was his best friend. Is there someone that maybe you've just gotten separated from? Don't go home to be with the Lord without seeing this person or requesting that they would make a visit to you. Is there a mark in your life that you want to affirm? Request that that person receive affirmation. Is there a book or a piece of clothing you desire? Request it. You see, you are ready to go when you've voiced all your personal requests to those whom you love. You don't want to leave this earth leaving things unsaid that should be said. Proverbs 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. So if there's something you want to request, you should be making that request. That doesn't mean that your request is going to get answered. You just don't want to die having never requested what is in your heart. Your heart is pounding. And this is what Paul's doing. Timothy, I'm requesting you come and be with me and bring the cloak and the, the parchments, the word of God. He's asking, requesting these things. And that's an example. You may not get it, but you're at least requesting it. The second thing to communicate, to always be ready to go, is to communicate not only your personal requests, but second, your personal warnings. And notice how Paul warns Timothy about a potentially dangerous individual. Look at verse 14. He says, Timothy, he says, Alexander, the metal worker, did me a great deal of harm. Now, we don't know a whole lot about what the nature of this harm was because the Bible doesn't reveal, but some believe that Alexander, he could have been responsible for Paul's arrest and imprisonment and possibly even offered false witness, testimony against the Apostle Paul. But yet you notice that Paul left vengeance in God's hands. For he says in verse 14, he says, he did me a great deal of harm. He says, the Lord will pay him for what he has done. Wow. What we do know about Alexander is what Paul says about Alexander in verse 15. He says, you too, though, Timothy, should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. Wow. Timothy, be on your guard. This guy is a strong opposer of the gospel. He will do you harm. He's sending out a warning, you see, to those that he loves. Here's the principle. You are ready to go when you have voiced a warning to those whom you love. 
For most of us, we will be much older than our family members, our sons, our daughters, our grandkids. And you are in a position to provide a warning to them. You do not want to go home to be with the Lord if there's a warning that should ring out from you to others and you hold that in. And we see the Apostle Paul reaching out to Timothy and warning him about someone potentially who could do him harm. And again, it's going to look different for each of us because we all have different relationships. But let me ask you a question. Is there a family member? Is there a friend? Is there a coworker who needs to be warned about a certain Alexander type of person that could do them harm? You're ready to go when you have voiced a warning to those whom you love. And we're, we're called to do this all the time. Um, I have a son, uh, our youngest son, Luke. Um, all two out of three of our kids are, are musicians, and some of you know the bands. They travel kind of all over the world, their bands. And one band is on the rise right now. They've already recorded an album, and it's really good. It's like scary good. And the thing is, I mean, it's great, but two out of the five band members are not Christians. And this music has the potential, I mean, to be big. It's already got all sorts of endorsements. It hasn't even been kind of released yet, but it's on the radio right now, and it's getting a lot of attention, just one song. And I'm like, so I have to warn Luke. I'm like, and I already have. I've sat him down, looked him in the eyes. I go, Luke, listen. We prayed, you know, for your ministry of music, and this could go really big, but with that will come immense temptation, immense temptation, and the warning is there, and, and we need to be warning. This is part of what we're called to do. I've had individuals, people warn me, and they warn me out of love, like a mentor of mine is Daryl Wright, and you know my heart for missions. Daryl is just an amazing missionary statesman, and, and he has sat me down, and eye to eye, and he knows I oversee our missions program. It's an honor for me to do that, but he's like, Mark, you have to uh, really watch how you invest the church's money. And I'm like, talk to me. There is, unfortunately, so much corruption out there globally in the missions world, and even in the church, and so there's a lot of things I've learned over the years, and for me, it's every two to three years I visit our mission partners. You know, we support hundreds of pastors all over the world, right? So two to three years, I'm always boots on the ground. I'm living with these people. I just don't visit them. I spend time with them in crazy places around the world to make sure before any money would be invested from our church, it's going to a, to a great integrity-based, good management. And that's why I travel so much. And Daryl, you know, he's passed on to me this because, you know, it's, it's been helpful. And this is, what, this is what Paul's doing to Timothy, and this is what we're called to do, so we're always ready to go. We're voicing this. Now, I'd like you to, an angle of this, I'd like you to talk at your tables. Can you tell about a time when someone who cared for you, now maybe they're already passed on, but they actually spoke to you a warning. They, they warned you of something, and you remember it to this day. Talk about that at your tables if you would. We're talking about five things to communicate so you're always ready to go. Number one, we communicate our personal requests, then our personal warnings. Third, communicate personal assurances. So listen to these assurances that Paul passes on, communicates to Timothy. They're beautiful. Verse 16, of course, 
Timothy, 1,300 miles away in Ephesus, is wondering how it's going with Paul in Rome. Timothy would have heard Paul was arrested. We don't know exactly where. I kind of share with you a theory about that. But Timothy would have heard Paul is in prison. And Paul says this. He says, at my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. Now, according to Roman law, when you're arrested as a Roman citizen, you're given your first defense. And that's the preliminary hearing in which the charges were read against Paul And Paul had the opportunity to make his initial statement of defense. And Paul's saying here, no one came to stand with me. No one came to vouch for my defense. Everyone deserted me. Wow, how would you respond to that? This is the great apostle Paul. Remember, he's arrested for one thing, preaching the gospel. And he's brought to Rome. What an example. Uh, And we see Paul and, and even how he forgives so quickly here. It is just incredible there in verse 16 where he says, no one came to, then he says, may it not be held against them. Wow. I mean, how would you respond? But may it not be held against them. People were afraid to stand with him. And Paul, you know, wow, what a beautiful statement. And then listen to the assurance that Paul gives to Timothy in the midst of this, that he's been abandoned and he's made his first, you know, opening defense. He says in verse 17, but the Lord stood by my side and gave me strength. Timothy, I just want you to know this. Yes, I'm in prison. I shouldn't be here, but the Lord stood by my side. Isn't that beautiful? (laughs) And you may be in a situation right now. The Lord is standing by your side. Leave vengeance to the Lord. You trust the Lord. Let the Lord stand by your side and give you strength. And then what he says, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. He's saying, Timothy, guess what? All the Gentiles in Caesar's court have heard the gospel through my defense. Wow. Paul, just to the very last breath, is preaching the gospel. He's living for the gospel. And then he says in verse 17, and he says, and I was delivered from the lion's mouth. What does that mean? The lion's mouth, that's an image. It's a metaphor for the emperor Nero. Paul was saying, I was delivered. I wasn't immediately executed after the preliminary hearing. Paul, after that preliminary hearing, his life was extended. He had a little bit more time. And you know what Paul did during that time? He wrote the book of 2 Timothy that we're studying today in that time that he was given after that preliminary hearing. Paul was saying, I was delivered beautiful. And then verse 18 is incredible. Paul says, the Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. He displays such amazing faith in the midst of knowing that once the formal trial would take place, Paul knew his execution was right around the corner after this next trial where he would be condemned to death and beheaded principle is this, you're ready to go when you have voiced assurances to those whom you love. And this is going to look different for each person because we're all in different circumstances and issues and relationships. So let me ask you a few questions. Who do you need to assure that there's no bitterness in your life? Paul said, hey, let it not be counted against them. That's how you're you're ready to go. You do not want to die with bitterness in your hearts. Who do you need to assure that the Lord has stood by your side and has continued to give you strength? 
I'll never forget being with my dear friend, Doug Foxworthy, who was part of this ministry for so long, and a dear friend and a companion who traveled with me all over the world. And Doug battled cancer, and I was with him the very night he went to be with the Lord. I was right by his side. And I remember him talking to his boys, Austin, who's a pastor on our staff in Landon, and assuring his boys of God's strength and God's plan and of God's grace in his life. That's how you're ready to go. Doug always lived his life ready to go. Who, you, who do you need to assure that the gospel message continues to go out through your life? Paul saying, Timothy, guess what? The whole Roman guard is hearing about the gospel. And I remember my dear buddy, Jim Burns, and being close to him. And Jim, as you know, he struggled with cancer, but he also struggled with his dialysis treatments. And he would just share with me all the time. He would go in there for those dialysis treatments, and whoever was next to him, that person heard the gospel. (laughs) This is how you prepare to go. You're always sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. No regrets. Who do you need to assure that the Lord continues to protect you and that you're confident he will bring you safely home to heaven? Some of you know that it's an honor for me on Thursdays, my day off, to spend a portion of my Thursdays with my dad. I love my dad. He's just right over here. And we spend time reading the Bible, and I ask him about his life. And, and it's so wonderful as a son to hear your daddy, he's my daddy, talk about his faith. Yeah, he's facing some challenges physically, and none of us know how long, but his faith is strong. God's in control, Mark. I'm trusting him. It, it, that's how he could drop tomorrow, and I pray he wouldn't. But what he's communicated to me is what you communicate so you are ready to go at any moment. Who do you need to assure that you want to give all the glory to God forever, like what Paul said? Uh, my grandfather, my dad's dad, uh, his name, well, I called him Curly because he had no hair. He was bald. And he was Grandpa Curly to me. And I loved this man dearly. And I handed him my Bible once and I said, Grandpa, would you write down for me your favorite verse? And he's nearing the end of his life. And I'm wondering, what is he going to write down? And he wrote down, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. I cherish that. Here is a man communicating. His life is about the glory of God, living for God. Hmm. He's communicating assurances, spiritual assurances to those who are younger. When you do this, you are preparing yourself to go at any time. Hmm. You're ready to go when you voice those personal assurances to those whom you love. Personal requests, personal warnings, personal assurances. Fourth, we want to communicate personal greetings. Listen to the personal greetings that Paul mentions to Timothy by name. He he mentions people. Let me ask you, is there someone that you need to mention who's been a hero in your life? And you need to give them credit. And look what Paul says here. In verse 19, Paul says, greet Priscilla and Aquila. Now, Priscilla and Aquila were Paul's Dear friends, I mean, Paul met them on a second missionary journey coming into Corinth. This was 20-plus years previous, and Paul's mentioning them right now. You can read about that in Acts 18, verses 2 to 3. Paul was short on money, on funds, and he comes into Corinth, 
and Priscilla and Aquila, they offered him lodging and work. All three of them were tent makers, and they traveled with Paul and supported Paul throughout his future ministry in planting churches all over Europe. They risked their lives for Paul, and now Paul says, greet Priscilla and Aquila for me, Timothy. And then he says in verse 19, greet the household of Onesiphorus. We studied him earlier in 2 Timothy 1, 16 and 17. Remember, Onesiphorus was the guy who searched long and hard for Paul in Rome and actually found him and came there and ministered to the apostle Paul. Now Paul's saying, please greet that man for me and his whole household. And then verse 20, greet Erastus. This is Paul's helper who served with Timothy in Ephesus, and he remained in Corinth. You can read about that in Acts 19.22. And then you see in verse 23, he says that he left Trophimus sick in Miletus. Trophimus was from Ephesus. He was one of Paul's trusted associates who actually helped carry a financial offering uh, from the Gentile churches in Europe all the way to the poor saints in Jerusalem. You can read about that in Acts 20, verse 4. And Paul is pointing that guy out. Paul left him sick in Malaeus, which was close to Ephesus. And then in verse 21, Paul says, Timothy, do your best to get here before winter. Do your best. Paul felt he had very little time. It was getting cold. And then finally, Paul sends greetings from four key leaders in the entire church family there in Rome who as Paul was aware of, Paul says in verse 21, he says, Eubulus greets you, and so do Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers. And the principle here is this. You are ready to go when you have voiced greetings to those whom you love. Wow. You don't want to leave this earth leaving things not said that should be said about certain individuals. You're ready to leave when everything that should be said has been said. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 says, honor one another above yourselves. So is there someone that you should honor, that you should pay, pray, pay props toward, that you should mention, honorable mention? Uh, Romans 13, 7 says, give to everyone what you owe them. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Is there someone that you should greet, you should not hold back on? You should send them a letter. You should mention their name. It's going to look different for all of us, what that looks like, but it's something we want to think about. The fifth thing that we're to communicate, to be always ready to go, and this is very tender, it's this, communicate personal aspirations. Listen to the aspirations that Paul graciously, graciously extends to Timothy. These are the last words, watch this, that Timothy ever heard from the Apostle Paul. Chapter 4, verse 22, Paul says, the Lord, Timothy, be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Now, Timothy would have known exactly what Paul meant by that. Because you see, they had been together for 20 plus years. Remember, Timothy is Paul's son in the faith. Paul was a single man. He adopted, he led Timothy to the Lord. Timothy became his son. Have you ever known someone so deeply, they're not biological, but they're like your son or your daughter? This was the relationship that Paul had with Timothy. And, and, and this phrase is so loaded with intimacy and knowledge and awareness of the relationship between Paul and Timothy. You see what's going on here? Paul is going off the scene. He's passing the baton of the ministry to Timothy. 
the whole book is about mentoring Timothy with the fact that Paul is going off and Timothy is going to come on and assume the ministry of the great apostle Paul. And he's poured in this young man's life. And Paul recognizes his strength and weaknesses himself, but he also recognizes Timothy's strengths and weaknesses. And what Paul says here is so touching. It's so tender. I love it. He says, the Lord be with your spirit. And Timothy knew exactly what Paul meant. You see, Timothy's spirit was timid. He was shy. He was not the vocal, ex, you know, ex, extravagant, you know, communicator and outward guy that Paul was. And we read about this earlier in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7. Remember that? For God, Timothy, did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. So don't be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me as prisoner. Timothy, I believe in you. You have that courage within. The Lord is going to grant you that strength. The baton is being passed. The Lord be with your spirits. This courageous spirit that I see that is there. He's communicating to Timothy his aspirations for Timothy's life, and it's beautiful. And then he says, grace be with you. Grace is God's power. It's his divine enabling. And Timothy would have heard that and understood grace, God's unmerited favor in the context of what he's saying. It's may God's power be with you to carry on the ministry. And you remember in chapter 2, verse 1, Paul said, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And this is what he's saying. It's his aspirations. I mean, the picture kind of is, yes, they're 1,300 miles away, but it's like Timothy is right by Paul's bedside, and the thing he whispers to Timothy before he takes his final breath is this very thought, the Lord be with your spirit, Timothy. Grace be with you. That is so packed with everything Timothy needed to hear. And guess what? We're called to extend that. I have three boys. I seek to never hold back. Because for me, and especially what I do when I travel, I don't know. This could be my last trip. And I'm fine with that. I am totally fine because I seek to live my life in light of the fact that I could go any day. I'm not perfect, but that's how I live my life. Especially when I go travel, I don't know. (laughs) I have no idea, but God knows. And when you're in God's will, you're in the safest place. But I don't hold back from my boys. Josh is here and James and Luke. I share with them my dreams for their lives. I share with them what I see in their lives. I encourage them. I, I, I do all I can do to paint for them the future of what I see that God's given them, the gifts that he's given them, and what my aspirations are for their lives. Because the last thing I want them to remember is their daddy loved them, believed in them, and saw the future that God had laid out for them that he affirms. That's one of the things we communicate, and this is what Paul's doing with Timothy right here. Always be ready to go. Wow, that's a powerful life coach lesson from Paul. And we know we're always ready to go when we're communicating like we are. And that means personal requests, communicating personal warnings to those you love, personal assurances, personal greetings, and personal aspirations 
Let's talk a little bit about this at your tables. I'd like you to sound off on what most has impacted you this morning. And this is the question of the five things to communicate to be always ready to go. Which one do you maybe need to most start? Or maybe you've started, but it's like, this is the one I just need to start really implementing at home or with my kids or with whoever, whatever relationship. This is the one thing I need to start communicating. Kind of like, pray for me on this, you know? This is where I want to move into. Talk about that at your tables, if you would. Okay, let me wrap up the series with some great news. And I've been saying it all along. You have a life coach. You have a mentor. And if you've been watching this online or you're watching it in a small group somewhere, I just want to say thank you. I mean, what an amazing study that you've come through. And to have these 15 different life coach lessons underneath you. And as you're praying for one another in that community where you've been meeting, it's my prayer that the Lord will bless you and enrich you in your lives. And all of us, as we've been exposed to this material. So let me just say something here. How did the Apostle Paul die? Well, the Bible doesn't record in Scripture how he died, but history and tradition, which we can trust, it's documented, Paul, because he was a Roman citizen, was found guilty. And the form of execution of a Roman citizen was to be beheaded. And he was beheaded in 67 AD. Now, the question becomes, did Timothy ever make it to Rome? Most scholars believe he did not. The Bible is silent. But personally, I believe he did not as well. Why? Months would have elapsed before Timothy would even have received the Apostle Paul's letter sent from Rome to Ephesus. And then it would have been months for Timothy have made it and responded from Ephesus to Rome, okay? It was 1,260 miles away. But one thing we know for sure, and this is amazing, Paul and his true son in the faith are together right now. Amen? In heaven in glory. And I'm sure the Apostle Paul and Timothy find it absolutely amazing if the Lord lets them peer in on us today that we would 2,000 years later be studying the advice that the Apostle Paul wrote as his last letter to his true son in the faith. And I'm sure it touches them both that you're here today studying this book taking that advice that Paul gave to Timothy, and it's so applicable to us. I'm sure it's humbling to them, and it's a beautiful thing as well because it made it into the Bible, God's Word. Always be ready to go. What, a, what an amazing last lesson that Paul would give us. To live our life every day as if it's our last day because one day it will be our last day Maybe we'll know it's our last day, but maybe we won't. And so we always want to be communicating. And for me, as I study this, I go, wow, Paul, there's so much room that I have to grow to become more like you in the things I communicate with those that I love, with those that you've put me around, you. I want to communicate with all of you, even those of you that are watching. I try to reach out and be that man who's always ready to go so that I'm communicating my personal requests, my personal warnings, 
my personal assurances to you, personal greetings, affirming those that need affirmation, and especially those personal aspirations, the dreams that you have and that I have for your life so that we're always ready to go. Amen? Amen. The game changer challenge there, number 15, what if you began communicating today as if it were your last because one day it will be? Hmm. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this book of 2 Timothy. It's been an amazing journey. And we thank you for this final life coach lesson that you gave to Timothy and to us. Always be ready to go. And thank you for these five things that Paul modeled for us. It's powerful, Lord, and it's special. And I pray, God, that you would grow us in these areas. You grow me in these areas, these personal requests and warnings and assurances and greetings and aspirations, especially to those whom we love. And maybe you want to pray a prayer like this just in your heart. I've been kind of praying a prayer like this. Maybe you want to say this to the Lord right now. Lord, grant me your strength to communicate today and each day as if it were my last because one day it will be. And I want to be ready to go home any day and especially on that day knowing that I've communicated and said what you want me to say. Thank you that your grace makes this possible. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said?